Well, good morning. It is uh, really good to be back with y'all. Uh, it's been a while, uh, but just know that um, even though we've been separated by about two years and eight time zones and 8,000 miles, uh, we pray for y'all every single day. We lift you up to the Lord. Uh, we're pulling for you, and we so appreciate you pulling for us. So, so thanks for uh, having me back. Uh, as Father West said, we've got a tight U.S. schedule. When we, um, we put our dates out for the U.S. once a year, they, they usually get snapped up in about 48 hours. Um, and this year we just kept one secret date uh, to see what God was going to do with it. And um, here we are. I think uh, next year what we'll do is um, I'm going to cheat and send you the dates in advance quietly. And we can pin this down. Uh, so by executive privilege. If, uh, if I'm new to you or if you've forgotten in this time, uh, I'm an Anglican missionary priest of your diocese. Um, we're family and I can say this. Um, I was a terrible rector. So if you're a terrible rector, you get to be a missionary. So um, every once in a while, one of our church partners is in a search and they'll call. I've been nominated for bishop a whole bunch of times. And I always just tell people, you know, you like me for a weekend, but that's about all you're going to like. <laughs> My wife, Stacy, and I, Stacy's, uh, she usually quits the tour about the halfway point. I wear her out. So she's back in Texas recovering today, but sends her love. Uh, we've been in the mission field for nearly 20 years now. We have served 11 years in clandestine underground missions and the last eight years in northern Iraq. Uh, we showed up in Iraq three weeks after ISIS declared the caliphate in August of 2014, and we stayed. Uh, ISIS was on both sides of the airport. We had to do a hot landing and then drive past them to get up to the refugees. Um, it's, a, it's a rough neighborhood, but it's home, and we sure appreciate your prayers because that's the only way we can uh, keep moving there for Jesus. Uh, you know, it's interesting. So we've lived abroad. We've lived overseas for about 20 years now, and, and we watch the U.S. from from a distance. Um, so we have a different perspective maybe. And then we come back to the US uh, once a year. And the first thing we have to do is try to read the temperature. What, what mood are y'all in right now? And um, it was pretty clear as soon as we landed in June that the mood of our nation is grumpy. It's a grumpy country right now. That ring a bell? Can you feel it? Um, our lessons today have some answers for this. So, so first a little update, and, and then we're going to drill down on, on the lessons for today. And, and the update is there's good news here. One thing we have found with our American friends is um, I think y'all need some good news right now. We're kind of starved for good news. And what I find is that uh, Americans are the most generous people on the planet. Absolutely. You know, we've traveled the world. Americans are the most generous. It's just we generally don't know what's going on in the world. And so we'd love to come back to the U.S. and share the good news of what's happening and what God is, is doing and, and how God is moving. So we'll start the update with Jesus commanded, he commissioned the church to go to all the world, all. I've looked that, that word up all in the original Greek, and it's a very technical word, it means all. <laughs> Every people group, 
make disciples. Today, 2,000 years after Jesus gave us that command and commission, there are still 3 billion people on the planet with no access to the gospel. 90% of all the world's Muslims, Buddhists, and Hindus will never meet a follower of Jesus in their lifetimes. Let this hit you. Three billion people are still waiting to hear the good news of the kingdom. And Jesus is waiting for us to complete the task he gave to his church. But here's the good news. Together, us on the front lines, you here in prayer and support, are changing that. And I want to drill down here. Please hear this if you hear nothing else today. We are one team. We are one move of God. No one's better than anybody else. We need each other. We're at the tip of the spear, but you're driving it with your prayers and your support. You are part of the team. You are a big part of what God is doing in the world right now. Well done. Bravo. Keep doing it. Our little team in northern Iraq, over just the last 18, 20 months, we have baptized more than 1,200 Muslims. And in about 18 months, we planted more than 380 churches and discipleship groups in the Middle East. Iran, if you don't know, is the world's fastest growing Christian country. Afghanistan is number two. China, minimum 10,000 baptisms a day. I've seen high as 20,000. Indonesia, the world's largest Muslim nation, if it keeps going the way it's going, will be majority Christ follower in a generation. God is moving. Our little team in, in Iran, where we think uh, at least 10% of the population is following Jesus, in the last 18 months, we have planted more than 218 churches there. And this number continues to multiply. We have one Iranian woman in Iran um, who has been following Jesus for two years, and she's planted 60 churches. And just remember, this is illegal. Believers, if they're caught there, are beaten, tortured, and put away in prison or executed. Can pray for our friend Fariba. She's a church leader there. She was just arrested. She is serving a long prison sentence. Her husband was also arrested. They broke his nose, broke his shoulder. Uh, these people are doing it for Jesus under great threat. And I notice you pray for the persecuted church uh, in your prayers to the people. That's great, but just a little insight. We have walked with the persecuted church for 11 years now. Uh, we have been the persecuted church. And I'll tell you a little secret. The one thing that they never, ever pray for is for the persecution to stop. They never pray for that. Why? There's persecution because the gospel is moving forward. That's what they want to see. So if you want to pray what they're praying, what they ask for is just boldness and faithfulness to carry on in the face of the persecution. But they never pray for it to stop. Okay. Now, a big challenge facing us is that only 3% of all missionaries go to the Islamic world with 1.9 billion souls. So there is one missionary for every 450,000 Muslims. Stacy and I have 900,000 Muslims on our hands. The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why so few? I'll be very honest. It's hard. Uh, it can be dangerous. And it's expensive. Um, we are so grateful to you. I just wanted to come this weekend and say thanks 
to those of you who pray for the movement, pray for us, pray for the work, support it. Uh, no one pays us. Our church partners and friends keep us going for Jesus. So just a huge uh, thank you. Another huge issue going on globally, just so you're aware, Christ followers should be aware of this, and it's going to get worse. It's happening a lot of time. The biggest issue on our planet right now is food shortage. Uh, the World Food Program just put out that 345 million people are currently starving. And we've seen estimates at the low end that next year, 2023, uh, 1 billion people will die of starvation. Those are huge numbers. This is going to be the issue of our, of our day and time. And we are getting food out to widows and the elderly and their children nonstop in the Middle East and East Africa. Zero overhead, 100% goes to food. We turn it around in 72 hours. Uh, we're allergic to overhead. Um, $50, we're just allergic to it. Uh, $50 feeds a refugee family for a month in the Middle East. And $30 feeds an African widow and her children uh, for a month. The need's enormous. So if you want to help, there are envelopes back there. But um, most importantly, this is the real request. Please take a prayer card. Please, please, please. I beg of you. Prayer strikes the winning blow. Ministry is just cleaning up the results. It all happens by prayer. All of those baptisms, all of those new churches, all of those new brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, all that food getting out are the fruit of your prayer. Prayer derives it. Okay. So thus endeth the propaganda. Let's get to today's gospel. Um, we've had a, a string of hard Sundays. We've been in this patch of Luke that's been tough. Um, my friend, Father Henry, priest of this diocese in Midland, Texas, uh, calls these butt burners. We've had a rough patch. We have to remember, though, that the, the word gospel means literally the joy news. So we've got to dig in here and find what is the joy news in these hard lessons. And please hear me, today is not uh, give the missionary $50 to go away Sunday, okay? Let's focus on Jesus and his words. All right. Today is a hard lesson on discipleship. And here's the thing. We can't spin Jesus. We can't soften Jesus. We can't sell Jesus. We can't mitigate Jesus. We can't make him user-friendly. Let's not do that. We need to hear his hard words and let him hit us. Feel the burn. Feel it. Okay? Because he's speaking life to us. All right? Don't soften it. Feel it. Okay? So today is all about what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be a disciple. And we see in the Gospels that Jesus doesn't want fans. He doesn't want groupies. He doesn't allow hangers on. He also never said make church members. If you can find that in the, in the Gospel, I'll buy you lunch. It in there. All right. Um, one of the problems, one of the reasons why the church is in decline in the U.S. is we've made church the goal. Church is not the goal. Church is wonderful. It's commanded. I'm a priest. I love it. I love liturgy. It's all great. It's necessary, but it is not the goal. You know, we've made uh, a big box church with uh, hip music and uh, Six Flags Over Jesus Youth Ministry the standard. And he never said to do that. That is not the goal. Jesus says, follow me, B, 
be my disciple, make disciples. And he doesn't have a double standard. You know, everybody thinks that there are kind of two levels of being a Christian. You know, there's the regular Christian level, regular Christians who believe. Um, They don't get real excited about it, but they come to church, they believe it, and they pray when there's trouble. That's one category. And then there are the devoted types, you know, the the all-in people. Um, What is Jesus today saying when he turns to the crowds? He's saying, I don't have two categories. I don't have two standards. There aren't two classes of disciples here. There is only one standard. And he says, anybody who wants to deal with me has to take up a cross. If you want to deal with me at all, at all, you have to put me absolutely first, ahead of parents and family and career and everything else. I have to be number one. That is, I have one standard, and there it is. We don't have junior varsity Christians. All right? So all-in discipleship following Jesus is the only thing you can do to relate to him. There's no one foot in, one foot out discipleship for Jesus. You know, and he doesn't call people to just a decision you know, in their mind. He calls us to live an entirely new life. Let me just stop here and ask a meddling question. I get to leave here and catch a plane, so y'all can <laughs> not like it after I, I leave. Is your life kind of placid? Do you pray sometimes? You go to church, you believe, it's there, it's Sunday. But basically, you're living your life, and things are going pretty well, and every so often, you need God. Is that your life? That's not what Jesus envisions for his followers. That is not the life of a disciple. You see, Jesus showed up, and he announced, this is what he said. He said, I am the Son of Man, and I have brought the kingdom. And he wasn't just saying, hey, if y'all elect me, I'll bring inflation down. What he's saying, he said, I am the son of man. I am bringing my kingdom. I am bringing God's revolution. I am God's revolution. And if you receive me, I will bring this revolutionary power into your life. And it will revolutionize your relationship with God, with yourself, with your neighbor, the people around you, and all the world. I bring my kingdom power into your life and through you into the world. So we have to get one thing crystal clear here. Jesus' central message and mission is his kingdom. That's the goal. Church is the means to the goal. We've messed up in the U.S. because we forgot what Jesus said and we focused all on church. We made it the goal, the everything. It's not. It's wonderful, beautiful, love the body of Christ, love y'all. This is not the goal. Not Jesus' goal. His goal is the kingdom. See, the good news, the joy news of the gospel is that the king has come and he's bringing his kingdom. The the gospel, the good news is not get saved, get your ticket punched and go to heaven when you die. He never said that. Only Americans could find a way to make the gospel about ourselves. We have the gospel wrong and it's the whole thing. Right? The gospel, the good news, is that the king has come, repent, believe that, and follow him. We've also forgot the follow. Right? See, this is joy news. Why is this joy news? Because the kingdom reverses 
all the curses of the fall. It heals everything we broke. And when we make disciples who obey Jesus and announce and demonstrate his kingdom, people respond and just everything changes. We saw that in the epistle this morning. Onesimus goes from slave to beloved brother in Christ. See the difference there? Look, I've been doing this for, for 20 years, and there's two things I have never been able to get across to friends back in the U.S. One is nothing. We have no way to get what it means to have nothing when somebody has nothing. We just can't process that. The other thing I can't get across to you is what hopelessness, total hopelessness looks like. We right now, we have 1.2 million refugees in northern Iraq from ISIS and the Syrian civil war. The average stay in a UN refugee camp is 18 years. And they are miserable places. The UN doesn't feed them, doesn't do anything with them, puts them in tents with no electricity, no water, and just leaves them out in the desert. And one of our big camps we work in, when we first started there, there were 20,000 people who had nothing and who had given up all hope. Just complete hopelessness. No laughter, no smiles, nothing to look forward to, just hopeless. And so we got in there and started bringing the kingdom of God and started doing what we do for Jesus. And you know what? I can walk in there today with my eyes closed and feel the difference. That darkness and heaviness is gone. There are laugh, there's laughter, there's smiles. We have 40 kids now whose parents were killed by ISIS or in college and university. That's what it looks like when the kingdom of God comes. Everything changes. People change, the situation changes. Now back to our hard gospel today. My friend Tom Wright notes that Jesus isn't denying the importance of family and, 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 and living in harmony with our family. But when there is an urgent task to be done, as there is right now, then everything else, including our own lives, have to be put at risk for the sake of the kingdom. That word hate doesn't mean, I hate this person, I wanna kill them, okay? In that context, it simply means to love less. Make second to him. You got that? Okay. Doesn't mean I hate you're my parents. It's I'm putting them second to Jesus. I don't hate my family, but Jesus comes first. All right. So, you know, when we're grumpy and we're fearful and we're anxious, which is what we see a lot of in the U.S. today, to be honest, um, it's simply because we're just not getting what we want. I'm grumpy because there are things I want and I'm not getting them. I don't like the direction of the country. I don't like this, that. Or we pursue things and we get them and then we find out, oh, wow, that doesn't satisfy. You know, my own story was... Um, by age 30, I had achieved all my career goals, more than. I had everything more than I wanted at age 30, everything. And I got to the top of the mountain where I wanted to go and worked very hard to get to, and I got there and realized at the top of the mountain there was nothing there. So I had everything you could possibly imagine, and I was completely depressed. And so I just sold everything and moved the family to Africa, and it got better. Took a while to talk my wife into that. See, the solution to the grumpies 
is to focus on what Jesus wants and focus on what he is doing. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything will be given to you. He meant that. And that's joy news. Do you get that? There is a path to joy. We can have it. There's a real way to get it for real. So let's land the plane. Here's your to-do from today's hard gospel. And, you know, if I just left you here right now, follow Jesus more, you would just get frustrated and depressed because you can't do it. Pray harder, give more. It's just going to depress you. You can't do it. It only happens but by Jesus. We need his grace. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. We have to go to him and ask for this in our lives. And he'll give it to you because he is faithful. This is a prayer he loves. You know. So go to Jesus and think about just one thing. One thing. As a church, as this church, as an individual, as your family, that you can change to make Jesus' kingdom your priority. Just one thing. One change. Something to do with your time. Something to do with your money. Something to do with your focus. Something to do with your attitude. Something to do with how and when you pray. Something to do with your quiet time. Something about serving. Just start there. Just ask Jesus. Ask him for the grace. Ask the Holy Spirit for the power to say, Jesus, your agenda is my agenda. I want your priorities to be my priority. You see, carrying the cross, which Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you got to do this, right? It wasn't conditional. If you want to be my disciple, be my follower, you have to pick up your cross. Jesus doesn't let anybody get close to him and hang around without him saying, follow me. Follow me. You know, right now we're seeing the biggest move of God in history in the Islamic world that's spreading out. And 30% of all the Muslims who come into the kingdom right now have a dream or a vision of Jesus. Sometimes people ask us, like, why are you God-bothering the Muslims? Just leave them alone. And we just say, we're just doing what Jesus is doing. He's out in front of us. He's in their dreams and visions. And they have a dream and vision. It's, a, it's not a, a picture of Jesus. You know, it's not like Scandinavian Jesus, blonde hair and blue-eyed, you know. You know, it's like real Jesus. They meet him and he says one thing to them. He says, follow me. Follow me. And that's what he says to you right now. Follow me. Pick up your cross. And that means we have to forget self and forget our self-interests and look at his example of sacrifice and follow him. Do what he says. And friends, if we do that, it will turn our grumpiness and our anxiety into joy. You were meant for joy. You know, don't believe all the things that the world tells you you need to have to be happy. That ain't working. It's not working for anybody. Real joy is following Jesus. You know, friends, look, we live, we live in Iraq. All right? It's 125 degrees four months a year. Uh, we have a war every 18 months. The secret police is all over us. We have been kicked out of here and put under house arrest and badgered and bothered. Uh, I was on Al-Qaeda's uh, top 10 hit list. And friends, we are truly joyful. I was going to say we're having a blast, but that might be too literal. <laughs> but you know, we, just, we, we put that stuff aside 
and don't look at what people tell us and what's going on and we just do what Jesus is doing and follow him and we just couldn't be more joyful and we want to see that for you because you were meant for joy and joy comes from following him. Amen.